Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. North Korea launches at least six missiles today, including one intercontinental ballistic missile. Strong reactions from the Pentagon, South Korea and Japan. Five days until the midterms. President Biden busy campaigning for vulnerable Democrats. What's noteworthy about where he's going and where he isn't? Did the Biden administration collude with big tech to censor important information? A federal judge makes a crucial decision in this case. One shot that includes both a COVID vaccine and a flu vaccine. That's being developed now. An expert tells us what he thinks about the idea of combining the two vaccines. To track the, the side effects, to track the efficacy of these things is going to be a complete nightmare. And we learn more about the man who allegedly attacked Paul Pelosi. Authorities say he's an illegal immigrant from Canada. The North Korean regime launches yet even more missiles, causing concern in Japan. And U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin met with his South Korean counterpart today. Here's Austin commenting on the missile launches. Uh, we strongly condemn uh, the, DR, the DPRK's uh, irresponsible uh, and reckless uh, activities. As we said before, these kinds of activities are destabilizing to the region, potentially. So we call on them to, uh, to cease that, that type of activity and to begin to engage in serious dialogue. Austin welcomed the South Korean defense minister to the Pentagon and held an honor cordon arrival for him. Earlier today, North Korea launched an intercontinental ballistic missile, or ICBM, and at least five short-range missiles. One of them is expected to be a failed test of a ballistic missile. In response to these missile launches, residents in parts of northern Japan were asked to shelter in place and trains were halted temporarily. And North Korea is threatened to retaliate after the U.S. and South Korea extended large-scale military exercises. During the meeting, the two defense chiefs said that any nuclear attack by North Korea would result in the end of the Kim regime. In the last days before midterms, President Biden is picking up his campaign schedule. But he's visiting states he handily won in 2020 and steering clear of some others. NTD's Iris Tao brings us more from the White House. With just five days to go until Election Day, Biden kicking off a busy campaign swing. Today in New Mexico, Biden rallies with Democrats and talks about student loan forgiveness. And folks, despite what Republican officials say, we can afford the student loan program. What's notable, though, is that New Mexico is typically a blue stronghold. And after this stop, Biden's spending tonight and part of Friday in California, also solidly blue. The question is, with just days before the midterms, why is Biden stumping in these blue states while notably skipping battleground states like Arizona and Nevada? An anonymous Democratic official told the Associated Press that the decision was made to send Biden to places he easily won in 2020. And the official said that's in part because Democratic candidates in such places are actually seeing their races tighten in the final stretch of the campaign. But some are questioning if this also has to do with Biden's low approval ratings, which could make him hurt some Democrats rather than helping them. Biden himself nodded at this fact while campaigning for a Democratic senator in August. 
He's up for re-election this year. And I told him, I'll come campaign for him or against him, whichever will help the most. But Biden's deputy chief of staff on Wednesday denied the idea, saying in an interview that she has never had to tell her boss that a candidate doesn't want him to come. And after his New Mexico and California trips this week, Biden's heading to Pennsylvania on Saturday and Blue Maryland on Monday. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. The Biden administration recently tried to stop some key officials from testifying in a lawsuit that alleges government collusion with big tech companies. Now, a judge has blocked their request and reaffirmed that the officials must testify, including Dr. Fauci. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Over the summer, attorneys general from Missouri and Louisiana filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration. They accused the federal government of partnering with big tech companies to censor information about important news topics, saying it was a violation of free speech. Recently, the legal team for the Biden administration made some moves to try to block several key officials from testifying in the case. They gave the following reason. High-ranking government officials would be diverted from their significant duties and burdened in both preparing and sitting for a deposition. And on Wednesday, Trump appointed U.S. District Judge Terry Doughty blocked their request. He said the interest in preserving free speech significantly outweighs the inconvenience of having to prepare testimony. The too-busy defense just doesn't cut it. I spoke with David Coleman, senior legal counsel for the Great Lakes Justice Center. He said for the courts to let the lawsuit proceed means the trial judge believes there's a lot of merit to the case. And what if the Biden administration is found liable in this civil case? Well, one of the things you can expect then is that Facebook and, you know, all these other Instagram, these different companies will no longer be able to suppress and censor speech the way they've been doing it. Uh, as long as you can show a nexus or a connection to the government, then they're not going to be able to get away with it. Then I asked him what he thought about censorship of so-called misinformation. I mean, I would defend the free speech of a person I totally disagree with. And they have that right. But then I have the right to speak and to refute what they're saying. That's the whole idea of free speech is the battle of ideas and not having to retreat to a safe space because somebody said a bad word I don't like. I mean, that's, are you kidding me? Come on, that's not America. We have these kinds of robust debates and eventually people make up their own minds. That's what it's all about. One of the first Biden administration officials to testify in the case will be Dr. Anthony Fauci on November 23rd. Jason Perry, NTD News. Pfizer and BioNTech are trying to combine the COVID-19 vaccine with an mRNA flu vaccine in a single dose shot. Pfizer says this could simplify immunization practices, but some are raising concerns about the potential new vaccine. American company Pfizer and its German partner BioNTech announced Thursday that they're working on a single dose shot that contains both a COVID and a flu vaccine. They say it will be an mRNA-based combination vaccine. NTD spoke with Dr. David Wiseman, former leading scientist at Johnson & Johnson and former COVID-19 advisor to U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. He says combining the two shots hinders science and helps Pfizer. To track the, the side effects, to track the efficacy of these things is going to be a complete nightmare. And, and it's only in Pfizer's advantage to make to, to, to confuse the issue. We need to clarify the issue. We need to study the safety of all these vaccines 
The companies say they'll use Pfizer's Omicron booster vaccine, also called the BA4-5 vaccine. This specific booster made headlines when distribution started because it had never been tested on humans, only on mice. Dr. Wiseman says it may not be safe. Let's be absolutely clear what they are. These are gene therapy vaccines. They hijack your body to produce spike protein. Pfizer can't tell us, FDA can't tell us how much spike protein is, pr- is produced, where it's produced, how long it's being produced for. And you are an uncontrolled factory for a spike protein, by all accounts, appears to be highly toxic in many ways. So we, we don't even understand that well enough at this point and to confuse it with flu vaccine. A month ago, the Informed Consent Action Network, or ICAN, obtained CDC data on the effects of COVID vaccines. ICAN sued the government agency twice before ultimately getting data on the CDC's vSafe program. 10 million people reportedly provided a health check-in to vSafe after getting a COVID vaccine. ICAN says out of those, 2.5 million experienced health events that caused them to miss work or school. That totals one-fourth of the group. And almost 800,000 needed emergency room intervention or hospitalization, or about 12%. In total, apparently 71 million cases of symptoms were reported, which would be an average of more than seven symptoms per vSafe user. Pfizer and BioNTech say combining the two vaccines is a more efficient way of protecting people from the two respiratory diseases. We reached out for comment on the alleged dangers, but didn't hear back before broadcast. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. An update about the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. Officials have confirmed that the suspect is an illegal immigrant. The Department of Homeland Security said the alleged attacker, David DePape, is a Canadian national and that Immigration and Customs Enforcement has lodged an immigration detainer on him. Immigration detainers are meant to prevent state or local officials from releasing suspects who are illegal immigrants. And an attorney for DePape's former girlfriend told the Epic Times what they know about DePape. The attorney said DePape tends to believe conspiracy theories in general, whether they're left-wing or right-wing. And that theories about DePape being a right-wing extremist seem to be off-base. The attorney and DePape's neighbor also said DePape appears to be homeless and that he has serious mental issues. As illegal border crossings hit record highs, we get an inside look at everyday life on the border. A rancher warns that the consequences of an unsecured border run deep. NTD's Melina Weiskopf reports. Hearing this is common for John Ladd on a daily basis as Border Patrol hovers over his ranch spotting illegal crossers in midday. They caught one, but the search continues for the group that came with him. The agents, two-thirds of them are detailed to other areas, so we don't have enough agents to respond. Uh, we have the camera system, the technology Border Patrol's got, so they, they probably know 85% of what's coming in the country, but they don't have anybody to go catch them. That, that's what's evolved with Biden. There are also costs from people constantly crossing a ranch where cattle are raised. Ladd tells us he spent roughly $100,000 per year for the past 30 years on maintenance and cattle losing weight from being chased around. Camouflage clothes stripped off by unknown people who've illegally crossed over the border and made their way into the interior of the U.S. Remnants like these are common findings for Ladd. 
His family has owned this land right on the border for 127 years. And this is what they have to buy to get smuggled across the border. And then when they get here, they just dump it. And this garage here built in the 1930s, he's now having to tear down because of continuously finding illegal crossers spending the night. He shows us another storage space where illegal immigrants come to hide out. The former Border Patrol agent who lives in the house next door has responded to medical emergencies. Let's get him out to the freaking road. Hey, vamos a parar. cold water in the car. Heat strokes like this are most common, happening a few times a month. And dead bodies are found now and again. Lad says he knows of at least 16 people who have died on their ranch trying to make the trek. By the same token, illegal immigration is seen by some as a humanitarian gesture. The humanitarian deal is just a ploy to socialize America, dumb down America or make America a third world country or you know, putting them all over the interior of the U.S. New York's going to let non-citizens vote in local elections. Okay. Well, what do you think? Okay. Pretty soon it'll be the federal election. Ladd tells us this is the factor that grips his heart the most, watching the fabric of America change. Wait, one world order, one world economy, what, is that what the bottom line is? Um, you know, that's been going on for a long time, but... It, it's certainly uh, scary. I, I'm more scared of that than illegals. And, and I'm darn sure more scared of rattlesnakes than illegals too. But He tells us he's concerned that administrations past and present haven't put forth a genuine effort at stemming the tide of illegal immigration. That Trump's wall was 20 million a mile. And, and I, you know, like I said, I'm in favor of that. But it isn't beneficial unless you put boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. And... So far, that hadn't happened. So, but there have been a lot of money spent on it yeah. and not very good results. Hundreds of millions have been spent on border security on their ranch alone. And now technology like these security cameras aren't even being used. Reporting in Bisbee, Arizona, Melina Wisecup, NTD News. Coming up, protests in Brazil. We hear from a journalist who knows the pulse of the country on who's coming out into the streets and why. And in the NBA, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving addresses his social media post, which has him in hot water with the league. NTD's Dave Martin has the details coming up. There are estimates that tens of thousands of people are demonstrating in cities across Brazil, protesting the results of the presidential election there last Sunday. Earlier today, we spoke with the editor-in-chief of the Epic Times Brazil about what's happening on the ground. Marcos Jacques, welcome to our show. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me again. Now, massive numbers of people are coming out in protest of Brazil's election results. And you're saying that it's all pretty spontaneous. Who are these protesters and why do you say that it's spontaneous? Well, they are mostly everyday people. A lot of people I know personally um, went to the protests. So I'm saying it's spontaneous. And that's something that has puzzled even the local left because people are trying to pinpoint 
who are the leaders of this movement. But what I'm perceiving on the ground is that there doesn't seem to be leaders calling these people to the streets. These are just people who spontaneously are coming out of their houses and going to the streets. And if you talk to them on the streets, we've been covering this. If you talk to them on the streets, they themselves um, don't seem to know who they're following or what exactly they want. But out of despair, they're just coming out into the streets because they fear this country might be going hard left because they think there's a convicted criminal as president-elect, and that's not what they want. So that's what we're perceiving on the ground. People you'd never imagine to see on, on protests. Those are not your regular Antifa or BLM protesters going around breaking things on the streets. There are mothers, there are children, even the elderly, just everyday people, whole families going to the streets and saying they don't accept um, what, this, what might be becoming of this country. So what are the concerns that people are raising about the election? Well, there are many. I think, first of all, as we have been talking, um, Lula, he is a convicted criminal. He was released out of jail, not on the merit of his accusations, but on procedural grounds and by a Supreme Court justice who was a hard left activist before being nominated by Lula's successor in the presidency. Hard left activist as well, Dilma Rousseff, who was even a, a guerrilla back in the 60s and 70s during the Brazilian military regime. So what we're seeing are calls for legitimacy and suspicion that this wasn't a legitimate process in a number of ways. I just mentioned the fact that Lula himself is running. Another concern is that according to Bolsonaro's campaign, who made an audit of radio stations, there could have been an uneven number of radio inserts for each candidate. Just explaining this briefly, um, the Brazilian law says that in a runoff election, there should be an obligatory number of radio inserts um, promoting each candidate. But again, Bolsonaro's campaign has requested a third party audit, which has revealed, they say, um, that over a million inserts um, have been placed in favor of Lula more than they were placed in favor of Bolsonaro. And then again, media being censored, um, the electoral court um, ceding, conceding to pressure of the hard left to persecute conservative opinions. So there's a number of ways in which people feel this was not legitimate. And even the foreign press, even Tucker Carlson are talking about it. That's right. Fox's Tucker Carlson says YouTube told them that they're prohibiting content with claims of widespread fraud, errors, or glitches in the election. So what do you think about YouTube's policy here? Well, um, I think it looks a lot like what happened in 2020 in the U.S. The Hunter Biden laptop story, um, as published by the New York Post, got censored by Twitter and other big tech companies. And then 18 months later, even the New York Times was saying they could um, uh, say that it was true, that they had experts saying that it was true. 18 months after the election, how could they claim that back then? They had 50 intelligence experts signing a letter to claim that the story was not true. And what are we seeing 18 months later, uh, 18 months after the story was published, suddenly everybody believes it. Sudden, suddenly it's a fact that all experts can agree on. And how can they say um, so fast that there was no uh, uh, illegitimate incidents? How can they go for it so fast? Even Bill Clinton, even Joe Biden, as soon as the votes were counted, they all rushed to Twitter to claim this was free and fair. But how can they know? Um, the audits are still coming out. People are still investigating incidents that happened throughout the election. So how can that be claimed so quickly? 
So I think um, it shows a bit of bias on part of big tech. Um, and it's the same kind of bias we have seen in Brazilian courts throughout um, the elections. And at least some of the people are asking the military to intervene. How do you see this all playing out? Well, um, the Brazilian constitution has uh, Article 142, which is what is being claimed, that allegedly would allow um, the armed forces and the military to intervene in certain situations. Now, as I see it, and as most law experts have heard see it, um, there is no constitutional, there is no legal basis for the military to do anything here. All right, thank you so much. Marcos Schottges, Editor-in-Chief of the Epic Times Brazil. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Final results from the parliamentary election in Israel are out. Former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition has gained a majority and he'll be returning as Prime Minister. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid on Thursday acknowledged defeat in the Tuesday election and congratulated his rival, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Lapid wrote, I wish Netanyahu success for the sake of the people of Israel and the state of Israel. I informed the chairman of the opposition that I had instructed all branches of the prime minister's office to prepare an orderly transfer of power. Israel's Central Elections Committee confirmed on Thursday that Netanyahu's coalition won 64 seats in the 120-seat parliament. The current coalition won 51 seats. The change is incomprehensible. It's clear that the people want to go another way. They want security. They want to lower the cost of living. They want us to be strong and not ashamed. They don't want to lower their head. They want to stand tall. They want a smart and firm policy and we'll give it to them. Netanyahu is set to return as Israel's prime minister. He wrote on Thursday, quote, I would like to thank the citizens of Israel for your tremendous support. Together we brought a huge victory to the state of Israel. Netanyahu's comeback is set to end Israel's political stalemate, which saw five elections in less than four years. Here is Netanyahu commenting on his future government. We don't want uh, a, a government with the Muslim Brotherhood who uh, support terrorists and deny the existence of Israel and are pretty hostile to the United States too. That's what we're going to bring. Those who have congratulated Netanyahu on his victory include the Italian Prime Minister, the Hungarian Prime Minister, the Indian Prime Minister and former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Houston Astros ace Justin Verlander is set to start tonight against the Philadelphia Phillies with the series tied at two while still looking for his first career World Series victory in eight starts. The 39-year-old is a career 0-6 in the Fall Classic with a 6.07 ERA, the highest in World Series history for anyone with more than 30 innings pitched. Now to be fair, Verlander, who's won two Cy Youngs, has fared well at every other level of the playoffs. Excluding the World Series, he has a postseason record of 15-5 while sporting a 3.04 ERA. He'll have to follow quite a performance though, as last night four Astros pitchers combined to no-hit the Phillies for just the second time in World Series history. And in NBA news, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving addressed his social media post from last week, which was a link to a film called Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. 
said Irving in the statement, I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized and impacted every day. I am aware of the negative impact of my post toward the Jewish community and I take responsibility. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said he was disappointed that Irving did not apologize and will meet with him in person to discuss the situation. And for your sports viewing schedule this evening, the NBA has a doubleheader tonight with the Nuggets at the Thunder while the Magic hosts the defending champion Warriors. Meanwhile in hockey, 13 games are on the docket for tonight and that includes one with the still hot Boston Bruins who've won six in a row and lead the league with 18 points. And finally, a rare NFL World Series double flip as Philadelphia visits Houston on Thursday Night Football, while conversely in baseball, Houston visits Philadelphia tonight in Game 5 of the World Series with the Phillies starting Noah Syndergaard against the Astros' Justin Verlander. And that's a wrap for sports. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And thanks to you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.